You're listening to the We Lead Well podcast, where well-being matters. The show is brought to you in partnership with Transform Education Coaching, HeadTeacherChat.com and the Teach Well Alliance. So for this, the latest COVID special, I spoke to Sean Trimble. Sean's the head teacher of Larwood School in Stevenage and the CEO of the Larwood Academy Trust. Larwood School is a primary special school for pupils with a range of social, emotional and behavioural change to mental health related difficulties. Sean's approach to the COVID crisis has been one of calm acceptance and his confidence in his staff to deal with the difficulties they've faced is refreshing. However, he's also been there offering the support they've needed when they've needed it. Sean's resilience is admirable. He seems to have faced and dealt with each challenge as it's arrived and working in a special school with children who struggle with their emotions at the best of times has meant there have been more challenges relatively for Sean to face. Sean summed up what leaders need to do in challenging circumstances in three words, I think, when he said challenge, adapt and change. And with this in mind, he's done his best to lower anxiety in his school. One of the ways he's done this is by over-communicating and taking control and making decisions when he's needed to. Sean also talks in the interview about having interests outside the role and taking time to carry on doing them. He says this has helped him to have downtime away from the job and I think this is particularly important at this point in time. I started the interview by asking Sean about the challenges that working in his specific context has created. What uh, what have you found challenging about coronavirus? And that must have been quite difficult in your school, I guess, or your yeah. I mean, schools. hugely, hugely, hugely difficult. Um, I think the whole process has been. You know, clearly, it's new for everybody, hasn't it? You know, from day one, nobody. I, I think that's the the starting point was was almost like nobody knew what they were doing. What you know, quite what was the right call at the time. Um, and I think that the. the the biggest challenge initially was to, to create some, um, to, to lower the anxiety, both from pupils and, and staff, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about a lot of our youngsters when they come in without COVID being there. And, and you know, you look at a graph and their, their anxiety is already on the critical point where a slight yeah. edge up means, you know, escalation and an incident and so on and so forth. And then you had this other layer of COVID hanging around of which they've heard on the television or, you know, mum, dad, whoever, talking in the background about it, and it's all really worrying. So we, we had to try and almost, um, I guess you over-communicate to an extent to try and establish that you're going to be okay. Um, you know, you give out that that sort of message of, of optimism and hope and, you know, uh, let you, we're all going to wash our hands and this is the reason behind it and we're going to do it more frequently because it's the right thing to do and you know, use all of the experiments and stuff like that to get the message across to the children. Um, and, and to an extent it was the same with the staff, but we, we got to a point where within both schools um, around March time, um, and it was, it, I think it was, it was almost coincidental with the official lockdown day, um, 17th, 18th of March, that rings a bell, where we, we were just flagging for numbers because potentially people might have had it. Yeah. And they didn't know, they couldn't get a test, and they were developing symptoms or, you know, someone within their family was having it. Um, so we actually, we just before Easter, we closed down for a two-week period. We just couldn't right. safely staff either school. 
Um, and ironically, I think that was a huge advantage um, because it gave us some real breathing space to suddenly say, okay, well, it's, it's going in this direction. We, we do know this as much as we can know it now. And we think this will be the best thing to do. Um, we opened up again during Easter holidays um, and we opened up just for what we described as the most vulnerable uh, key workers, that sort of stuff. We didn't open up in, in our entirety. Um, and again, that was helpful because it gave us a chance to put in place what we thought would work on a very small scale. And then we, um, I think, you know, and again, taking from sort of Rob stuff really and that, that um, first do no harm approach, I really did sell that with what we were doing with staff and the decision to close was rooted in that really. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't quite know where this was going to go, how it was going to pan out in, in the next few weeks. And, and ultimately, we were, we were talking about being safe and making sure people's health and well-being were protected from the word go. And I think, I, think that was, I think that really helped with our staff and their confidence in us, really, because all around us, a lot of schools weren't doing that. They, they were, I think they were sort of keeping going on a shoestring and fair play yeah. to them, you know, brilliant how they did it. Um, but I think that gave us an opportunity to think, um, do a bit more planning, relieve a bit of pressure because that pressure was mounting all the time and then come back during the Easter holiday with a, with a bit more of a concrete plan rather than having to do it completely on the hoof. Um, I, think, I think the difficulty a lot of schools have faced and are still facing is the relentless nature of it, that yeah. it's, it's been continuous. And even though schools were closed in the summer holidays, I know um, people have just been in school every day. One of the schools that I work with, um, the head teacher closed the school for five days just so that his senior leadership team would not come in school. And other than yeah. that, they've been in all the time. And that's that's the nature of it. It's so relentless, isn't it? Yeah. And again, sort of, I, I think the, the first part of it really tested your resilience to the max. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of the onslaught of, of, you know, the daily briefings, what you were hearing, you couldn't get away from it, could you? There was It was no. impossible for social media... Um, obviously discussions at work, discussions at home, everybody was quite rightly focused on it because it, it was such a you know, serious situation. I think we, we, we managed through ongoing discussion and keeping these sort of communication forums open in a whole host of ways, uh, using Teams um, you know, and, and Zoom or whatever you might be using, we managed to get to a point where we could start to, although we knew it was going to be still very turbulent and rocky, uh, you know, talk about the second wave was almost coming within weeks of the first wave, really. Um, I think we were, we were managing to start to just lift our heads enough to look at developing things that are going to be robust for future use. Um, so, you know, we, we've, jumped, we, we've chosen to go with teams. That's, that's the, the sort of mechanism we're using for our remote learning. Um, and, you know, we've just started to roll this out in terms of week by week, developing the skill set of the staff, making sure the children are on board with it. Our staff were amazing in terms of when we initially had the, the sort of start to the whole process. We talked about doing recorded lessons. We've got our own YouTube page. And our staff just were brilliant. They, you know, they were on it. They were, they were, we didn't have a, a recipe for it. People were just making short 15 to 20 minutes, um, which, were, which is about a, a reasonable span for most of our children. And, and breaking it up into nice chunks and choosing things that would work from you know, meeting the needs of the children. Um, and that, that really worked out. I mean, we've got 300 videos, um, you know, sort of 
lessons that are already banked, which of course will come in handy for the future for an, another year group moving up if we ever got into that same situation again. But we, we've now moved from this sort of, you know, okay, we're, we're really getting it whichever way you look at and resilience is being tested to, to the max to this, okay, let's, let's pause, let's breathe. And what can we do now to plan ahead? Because we know we're going to be in this situation for a long time. And what sort of systems and processes will get us through no matter what scenario we face ourselves. So we've broken down to, um, you know, the fact that Mrs. Jones is, is having to self isolate, but actually she's, she's well, she's healthy. She doesn't feel, um, unwell, and it may be because one of her family uh, might be under the cosh with the, with the virus. So, therefore, Mrs. Jones has the ability to tap into class using Teams and deliver what she would do for 10, 15 minutes with the support of our learning support and, and TA in the classroom. So, therefore, yeah. they're getting what they would get in a consistent way. Um, we've, we've planned so that if we have a, a, an outbreak in a bubble, our bubbles are relatively small. So basically around classrooms. If that happens, we've got um, 14 days worth of work already bagged up in envelopes, which are sealed and therefore COVID protected, yeah. which can go out on day one, which will, which again is an immediate stopgap, which will combine with the online learning as soon as that rolls through. But of course we might have someone who's genuinely unwell and can't deliver that online learning. Yeah. Um, we've got, you know, we'll put in another solution where our person who covers will cover online. Um, you know, just you know, we just had to continually challenge, adapt, and you know, sort of move things on to all of the different scenarios that we think we'll face as we go along. And of course, I'm sure there are going to be some that we haven't quite worked out yet because nobody has. But I think I think the one thing that's really come to the front of this is the way that the staff have been absolutely superb in adapting to all of these different challenges, which have just come thick and fast. You know, they're they're almost nonstop week by week, um, and they've done super. With it. I mean, it sounds like there, there are two there are two layers going on at the moment aren't there? there's the day-to-day -day running of the school that goes on like it always has and that's being underpinned by all these plans for i suppose that some of the known no it's, it's that thing isn't it no knowns unknown yeah. knowns that you know all those things that you're not quite sure are going to happen that you're planning for anyway so you're almost you, you've got pressure on you from so many different angles how have you managed to cope with that because you sound really relaxed you sound like you're taking <laughs> it all in your stride and um, I'm, I'm sure that you've you've faced some challenges in terms of exhaustion and and almost being <laughs> probably fed up of the whole thing so how have you managed to cope with that yeah i i think it's a very good point um i think again it's sort of it's probably evolved in in different waves according to where we were at different times and and the first you know i, I can remember in the um i think when we closed initially for the first week i can remember talking to colleagues um you know we, we kept in contact um remotely and i just said it, if this is what retirement might look like, I, can't, I don't think I can ever retire. Um, and then I thought about it a bit more as the day went on because I, I, I just I, I just missed what I was doing day by day. And then I thought, you know, what what had, what had happened is that my control of everything had just been removed. Yeah. Um, and, and I just couldn't handle that. You know, it, it was it's something that I'd not come across, and I had to compartmentalise that and sort of almost take a real analytical approach, having never been in that position before. And that's what I narrowed it down to. Um, and then you sort of get used to 
I think you then have to almost ride with the punches, as it were, on a day-to-day -day basis, because, as we've said, something new is coming through on a day-to-day. -day. I think one thing that stood me really, really well is that with a really supportive group of trustees, we've always taken, since I've been in post anyway, we've always taken that we're, we're going to go on this path, which is, which is best suited to our community. And nine times out of ten, it's probably going to fit with DfE recommendations or local authority model. But just occasionally, it's not. When we when we do make that decision, it will be for all of the best reasons and, you know, the research that underpins it and the outcomes that we want to get from it, you know, are all very clear cut. And, we'll, you know, most of the time we're going to have some really good um, agreement to go in that direction. And I think, uh, and I can't really recall at one point, but at one point I started to really um, sift very carefully what was coming through and whether it was yet yeah, okay got to do it you know in it come let's do it straight away and i think we we got to a point where we we've got some really good procedures in place you know the day-to-day -day stuff in terms of okay children are coming out and it's immediately hand wash or sanitize um the distancing thing um and again talk to colleagues about how children have distant here with their special needs and so many are surprised that they can do it as well as they can but yeah. You know, another little thing that I decided to do as soon as we got the first cohort children in, you know, I went round with a big two meter bit, bit of wood um, because you know visually our children benefit from seeing what it yeah. is. And and to be fair, I think a lot of the staff weren't quite on board with what that looks like. I just went round, and every time I stopped to engage with somebody, you know, the bit of wood was between us, um, and it seemed to work with so many of the youngsters and I think a lot of staff are like okay yeah it's quite a big gap actually um, so you know it's, it's little things like that that I think could really help but I think you've, you've got to take a, a view of sifting through and I think there's there's a point that you've got to shut off from it all um, and I found myself you know I, I, I quite often I'll scan social media maybe during the evening and things like that but quite often I was actively sort of avoiding it um, and I think you know, you don't miss anything, I don't think, by avoiding it, to be honest with you. Um, and I think those gaps were really, really helpful. Another thing that was great from the trustees' point of view is that they were really on, on me to take a break. Yeah. Um, and again, I think one of the things we did, we put a rotor system in place, like most schools did, I think, where, you know, staff were coming in, and there was three of us that came in every day, and I was one of those because it suits me. You know, I, I actually live on site, so... You know, I haven't got a commute or anything like that to do. Um, whereas my colleague who's in charge of the secondary school has got a fairly long commute and it suited them to, to rotor in rather than being there every day. But three of us came in every day and it, and it was it was personalising according to what was the best thing to do. You know, another member of the team um, with, with a different situation and the younger family, it suited them better to rotor in, both from an anxiety point of view and also because you know, their children were off as well. Yeah. So we had to we had to personalise and we had to break things down that worked for individuals as we went along, um, but it's it's really really hard to detach from it all. Um, you know the summer holidays. I definitely you know I managed to go away. Um, you know luckily to do that and it was obviously in the UK, um, but I did manage to just try and get that break, which really it does you the world of good. I think um, yeah. you can then come back and start. It's almost like you're rebuilding that level of resilience that maybe got slightly eroded yeah. um, but yeah, I've got to be really careful with it and you're you're a triathlete aren't you so <clears throat> have you have you been able to carry on training if you have have you found that 
beneficial in terms of being able to switch off? Yeah, I think um, I think over the last few months, maybe it's allegedly I'm a triathlete rather than I am. But <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that was another side effect. I think um, yeah, I, I, at one point I think the training was a really good distraction. Um, I'm, I'm really regimented with it, so you know. If, you know, I'm, I'm one of those that says um, I'll, I'll get it done. You know, I'll be up at 5:45, get it done before I come into work. Yeah. Um, and I sort of used previously up until when COVID, I, I'd do a six o'clock in the morning and I try and get home and maybe start at six o'clock at night. If there was the two sessions in a day, and that worked really well for me. And, and last year I had a great season; everything was you know working well. And then of course we we got into this and big plans for the season. I'd, I'd managed to uh, qualify for some age group stuff. Um, and of course that all got blown out of the water and I think that sort of compounded my you know, oh, you know everything's working against me type thing at some time yeah. which is how it felt um, but again you, you you know after you you take that sort of knock with your resilience you try and get into a place which you can go forwards with uh, and you know compared to I think with some of the team they adapted to the to the online world of racing a lot better than I did yeah. um, you know I was, I, I was quite skeptical to all of that to begin with but I think now I've got to the point where I'm thinking well, again, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to robustly keep this going, I've got to be able to do this stuff because actually, again, they might not happen next year. It's a possibility yeah. um, I'm hoping for and I've signed up for stuff. Um, but I know if I don't do my training, I suffer as a person. It's part of what I do. I've always had something on the go, whether yeah. it's, you know, running or a team sport or whatever. Um, and without those sort of bits um, that go on with that, I think it, it really doesn't help my well-being, so it's a key key part of my life generally, and I think it always will be as long as, as long as I can keep going. Yeah, so you'd recommend other head teachers and senior leaders get out and do something that takes them completely away from from school and everything COVID-related. Absolutely, I think it's so essential. Um, you know, I think it, one of the things I always talk to colleagues about: you've got to find that thing that suits you, because you know. Not everybody is into, you know, a sporting context, you know, whether it's, it's going to an art gallery or, um, you know, going to gigs or whatever it might be, as long as they can take place with what's going on. Is yeah. You've got to find that thing that really helps you to switch off. Um, and of course, it's very individual. You know, the, I think the only thing still that completely turns my brain off is running. It's the only thing that, you know, yeah. when I'm on the bike, I can still flick around to work stuff. When I'm in the pool, I can still think of a work later. But when I run, for some reason, I just can't think of anything else apart from running. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's finding what works for you and then sticking to it and getting that routine going. It's um, <clears throat> just going back to something you said before, talking about resilience, probably. You talked about the, the lack of control that you felt, but... Mm. One of the things that seems to have come up for me is that lots of schools and lots of leaders have moved to a much more collegiate approach to leadership, whereas now this crisis has, has meant that head teachers are unwittingly, I suppose, having to take control and their staff are looking to them for that, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And is that something that you've, that you've found unusual or different since this all reared its head? Yeah, again, I think there are there are sort of various elements of it that, um, you know, you think of and, and sort of, you know, we always take quite a, a collegiate approach to, to lots of things that we do. But there were times when I don't think there wasn't the time to do it. And as you quite rightly say, people were looking for an answer. Um, yeah. So you had to try and think about 
you know, based on the best evidence that you've got, what suited your context um, and situation. Um, I, I know just talking to colleagues that they were aware that I think at the time we were one of the first schools that had to close. I think lots of schools followed for staffing reasons. But I think um, people respected that decision at the time because, of, because there was so much uncertainty and so many people were you know, sort of getting unwell or had family that were unwell. And at, and at that time, there were, I think there was great concern about who would end up in hospital and the, the really serious effects that could come from, from COVID. Yeah. Um, we know a bit more now, so I think a lot of that has been alleviated to a degree. It's not disappeared, but I think it's better. So I think people respected that. And I think one of the things we, we, we try to, we always try to do anyway, is to involve the staff in, in where we're going and what we're doing. We try and give them that reasoning. And it comes back to this over-communication principle. I don't think you can ever say enough, um, whether it's through the medium of a, you know, whatever system you use in terms of the school information system, physical meetings, you know, all that sort of stuff. And we had to, again, you had to quickly circumnavigate the fact that you weren't meeting every Monday morning for a staff briefing in the, in, in the staff room or daily or whatever the mechanism is. So, you know, jumping onto Teams or Zoom or whatever it is, you had to quickly fulfill those gaps. Um, but we, yeah, we had a number of um, virtual staff meetings. We, we, you know, we started those as everybody had to. And again, it was it was that combination of information sharing and then getting people to feedback as best they could. But, you know, very, very tricky, isn't it? From a staff member, you're in a completely new world. Um, who knows what ultimately is the right call? But you, you keep referring back to that do no harm sort of ideal. And I think if we always checked what we were doing with that at the start of any conversation idea or whatever else. And we sort of had question marks about it. Certainly in the early days, we steered away from it just in case. Yeah. Um, and I think that that sort of almost that just in case it, it, it got turned a bit nasty or we had a, um, you know, an ill effect from it probably really helped with the staff confidence in us, I think. Um, and I, again, reflecting on where we are now, um, again, within our local community, just from, uh, you know, our staff who have got children we're aware that we've got a number of other schools whether they're special or mainstream who have had outbreaks yeah. we may just be lucky and i am touching the wood on my desk which i hope is wood but we so far we seem to be okay you know we haven't had a, a positive test from a pupil or a member of staff yet had lots of people who suspected they've got it but yeah. so far we haven't got it so i think again our our measures and the sort of things that we're really encouraging and, and reiterating on a day-to-day -day basis seem to be going well so far yeah. but you know nobody's safe <laughs> well i'm i'm awaiting a test result for my son so i took him to be oh, tested yeah. yesterday yeah so I'm, uh, I'm hoping it comes back negative but we'll we'll see so keep yeah, looking at keep crossed. checking my emails to see if i've got anything in there you seem yeah. to have a quite a positive and optimistic approach to to the work that you're doing at the moment what where can you see hope where, where, what can you draw out? What positives can you draw out of it? Do you think? Yeah. Again, I think really, really good point because I think you, I feel almost duty bound to in in some respect. But I think there are some genuine opportunities with any crisis and and you know difficult situation. I think with what what we're coming to now, and certainly early on this wasn't the case. But where we are now is that we we keep thinking of examples where we're sort of saying. Why, why, have we, why have we waited till now to a flipping crisis like this to do this? So here's a good yeah. example. We were talking about um, the wearing of face coverings for staff and saying with the, you know, the increased infection rate recently and the way that it seems to be going up again, 
should we make it compulsory? We had this on, um, we had our staff meeting yesterday. Um, I've done a paper and looked at research across Europe, that sort of stuff and where we were. And, you know, you can't help but com compare and contrast the, the sort of governmental approach to you don't need one to where we are now and all of the confusion that lays with that. Um, and one of the very valid points that came from staff was, well, we've got an issue with our children. They need to see expression. Um, so again, we were thinking about the clear masks and that sort of stuff. But we're, we're very um, hesitant to buy a mask which isn't of medical grade. So we, we buy masks for all of our staff. They're at the door. You can come in and you can pick one up for the day. If you want to take one home, you can do because we want to keep you as safe as you can for your family and for, your, for, for work purposes. So we had this ongoing debate and then we talked about phonics and obviously the importance of being able to see how what yeah. shape the mouth is, is working. So, so eventually we got to the point, well, let's make a series of videos where this, the, the class teacher is showing the facial expression that's associated with phonics. And then if they do choose to wear a mask, it won't matter because they can say, look, this is me and this is what it should look like. And suddenly we just sort of thought, why have, we, why have we waited till now to do it? What a great resource bank to, to have in place for the kids, you know, and something that parents can use and, and they can use to reinforce the learning at home. So I think we're getting a number of things that are coming through like that almost week by week now where we're thinking, okay, this is, this is good for the here and now, but actually what we're actively trying to do is think of beyond now and what will be really helpful in terms yeah. of future scenarios as well. But I think, um, I think we, you know, I, I mentioned that sort of responsibility and I think we do have a responsibility as leaders of schools to, to show that there's a way through this, you know, whichever way we meander and whichever way it, it creeps up, goes down or whatever, because ultimately we've, we've got these groups of kids that are coming through and they've got this one shot at their education. It's not their fault that A, they've been dealt with a really bad set of cards or B, that COVID's popped up. Um, so they still deserve on a day-to-day -day basis to see, you know, my, my smiling face at the door um, to have those interactions where we can, you know, pending what we're doing with the virus and stuff like that. And they still, they still have to have that quality of education that they would get, even though it's in a slightly different format, um, you know, whether it's here remotely or whatever, um, you know, however we actually deliver it. But they, they, they don't get, so, you know, it's not like this is take one and we'll come back to it in take two because COVID's going to go away. We haven't got time for that. We've got to deliver something which is really pertinent to them. It's more important for our youngsters. It's important for everyone, but we know that ours have got big gaps when they get to us because of all the history that I've explained. So we've got to fill those gaps rapidly in normal circumstances. Now, one of the things I'm talking about um, with staff is that we can't double disadvantage our kids. They've had the first hit in terms of their history before they get here, and we can't allow COVID to layer on top of that We've got to put stuff in place that suits our children for their needs and actually enables them. You know, we're really proud, quite rightly, of the way that we do fulfill those gaps from a social, emotional, academic point of view. Um, you know, staff doing a fantastic job. We've just got to, again, we've got to bend with what circumstance we've got and do it in a slightly different way that will enable our kids to really make that good progress and go on to secondary schools and, you know, great times in the future. Um, but we can't pause and suddenly... I, I think inevitably everyone sort of felt a bit sorry for themselves at one time because you, you know, so much stuff was flying through. You, there's a there's a process that you have to go through, you know, whichever way you do it, and hopefully collegiately is always tends to be the best way where you talk through and get to a point. Okay, let's start to move on because we do have to move on. The kids can't stand still, can they?
No, and I think you're right, and schools are at the forefront of how we're dealing with the crisis at the moment. And it sounds like you're doing a, you're doing a really good job. I hope you can stay positive. Thank you for coming and sharing your ideas with us. Um, Pleasure. And, uh, and all the best for whatever the future may hold. I love Sean's positive and optimistic approach to the current crisis. He seems to be taking a really pragmatic approach that helps him to take one day at a time and to deal with each new challenge as it arises. I'm certain that you'll be taking something positive away from Sean, but if it's anything, let it be Sean's advice to look after yourself and to take time to do something you enjoy, whatever that be, whether it's knitting, running, swimming, going for a walk, just do something that takes you away for a while and gives you some space and some downtime. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Look after yourself, look after your staff and lead well. The We Lead Well podcast was brought to you in partnership with Transform Education Coaching, headteacherchats.com and the Teach Well Alliance.